We began a series a few weeks ago. Uh, this is the fourth message in this series, but we started talking about uh, signs that Jesus is the Messiah. And we, when we were looking at these things, we started realizing that uh, these are the signs that we don't typically talk a lot about or spend a lot of attention on uh, some of the prophecies that were fulfilled when Jesus came to the earth. Uh, so first, you know, we, just as a quick recap before we start today, uh, we had the first one, which was the overlooked sign, was the one that Jesus could uh, uh, was going to come and live in obscurity. He was going to live like a normal person like you and I. He wasn't uh, going to be a prince in a palace and all those kinds of things. So we realized that that was the first sign. The second one was what we called, it was a message we called the greatest sign, was the fact that you and I get a chance to meet Jesus. That is the greatest sign ever is that we get a chance to meet Jesus. So uh, they got to meet him in the, uh, uh, in the temple that day, Simeon did. And anyway, uh, it was the greatest sign. Third was the most we called last week, we talked about the unpopular sign. And that was the fact that Jesus was going to be rejected. He was going to cause some to fall and some to rise. And the, today's uh, title that I'm going to talk about is the uncomfortable sign. And this may be the, the, the most important sign that Jesus was the Messiah because this one really gets the attention even of an unbeliever. See, these others leading up to it is what helps us and, and cements it for us that Jesus was the Messiah as believers. But today, this message will really reach out and touch people who are not believers. And this message today will probably give you some information that when you're talking with people, you can take this, what we're going to talk about today, and say, well, now, what do you think about this? Tell me your opinion on this. So we're going to talk about today, fourthly, in this title, is the uncomfortable sign. And we'll get into that in just a moment. Let's pray this morning. Father, we come to you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. We give you thanks for all things which you do. We thank you, Lord, for your presence with us. We thank you for the ability, Lord, now to open your word and to read it and, and to listen to your word today. Father, I pray you give us the ability to expound upon this word, this message you've given us. And I pray, Lord, that our hearts, minds, and souls would be all open today and our ears as well. And we may hear your word today and be able to help others, Lord, that with this message today. We ask it. In Jesus' name, amen. So the uncomfortable sign. You know, Jesus makes people uncomfortable. I got to go. Jesus makes people uncomfortable. I want you to think about what the name of Jesus does when you mention that name. If you love Jesus, you want to adore Him. But for people who reject him, just mentioning the name Jesus brings something out of them that makes them uncomfortable and reveals what's in their heart. And we're going to read about that today, this prophecy which Simeon spoke. And, and last week we talked, like I said, about the unpopular sign that he was going to be rejected. And originally I had both of these parts together, but it was just too much. So let's take a look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 33. Let's just go ahead and start with verse 33. This was when Simeon was speaking this prophecy and glorifying God about this little child Jesus that he got a chance to meet. He realized he was the Messiah and he said all these wonderful things over Jesus. And then in verse 33 of Luke chapter 2, And Joseph his and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. A sign which will be spoken against. 
Think about this for a moment. This kind of ties in with what we talked about last week. Simeon prophesied that Jesus would be a person who others would speak against. Not just disbelieve, not just reject. You see, it's one thing to just disregard Jesus or to reject Jesus. But God also here through the prophet Simeon is saying that Jesus is going to be someone who people will speak against. It's one thing for us not to like somebody. But it reveals hatred in our heart when we begin to talk negative about them. If we don't like somebody and they're doing their thing, just let them go on and do their thing. That doesn't affect me anymore, right? But when we have a deep-seated hatred, we want to talk about them, right? And they were saying here, Simeon was saying here, prophesying. Jesus is going to be a sign spoken against. And Mary, a sword is going to pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts might be revealed. Nearly everything spoken about Jesus had been good things up until this point. Oh, wonderful. He's the Savior. He'll save His people from their sins. On and on and on. All the wonderful things that were spoken at Jesus' birth. Then when they come to bring Him to the temple, Simeon tells them, yes, all these great things are going to happen, but this is also going to be true. It's going to be a sign spoken against that the hearts, the thoughts of many hearts be revealed. This is probably the number one sign that proves Jesus is the Messiah. And think about this. For some reason, people even today speak against Jesus. According to the unbeliever, let me, this I had this later on in my sermon, but I, I feel like I need to say it now. To the unbeliever, Jesus was a delusional, strange, crazy person who's been dead 2,000 years. So why do people still speak against him today? It's the only person in human history that that's still the case. Hitler's been dead for about 70 years and people hardly ever mention his name anymore. He's dead. He's gone. But think about the fact, why do people still work against Jesus and his message? It's because he's still alive. And because he was the truth. And because he was a sign that was to be spoken against. Amen. Just the name of Jesus alone invokes or evokes a passionate expression of either love or hatred. You mention the name Jesus to to an honest-hearted Christian, it brings a smile to their face. That's my Savior, Jesus, who died on the cross for me. My best friend, right? But to those who don't like him, They not only just don't like it, they hate Him. So just that name alone invokes strong emotions, one side or the other. Amen. Jesus has spoken against more than any other religious leader. Thus, Simeon's prophecy is still being fulfilled today. And whether you're a believer in Jesus Christ or a person who denies Him, we can all agree to this one fact, that Jesus receives more attention than any other person who's ever lived. They claim there's 2 billion Christians living on earth. And those 2 billion people, if they're honest hearted, they love Jesus. He got a lot of attention. They claim the rest of the world rejects Jesus. And the overwhelming majority of them hate Him to His core for what He stands for. He's still the most famous person that's ever lived. He gets more attention, whether good or bad, 
than any person who's ever lived, who ever will live. If we have any wisdom at all, this should be a sign that proves Jesus was no ordinary man and that he's been treated like no other person who's ever lived. How many delusional people have come along in this world in 6,000 years? There's been a lot of strange individuals, delusional, weird people. You don't know their name though, do you? Because when they died, it was over. People forgot about it. But this Jesus, this prophecy that Simeon spoke, he's going to be a sign spoken against. You're either going to love him or you're going to hate him. In essence, God has laid down the gauntlet when he brought Jesus forth. He's going to now force people to decide, what will you do with this Christ? What will you do with my son? When you hear the name Jesus, something comes to mind. Either good or bad. Amen. Jesus' time on earth, he was spoken against. I'll give you a couple examples. As previously mentioned, he was hated by nearly all the religious elites. We talked about that last week. All the prominent people of his day. They spoke against him. They didn't like him. In, in Mark chapter 3, listen to what it says. Then the multitude came together so that he and his disciples could not as so much as eat bread. He was in his own hometown here. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, he's out of his mind. A sign spoken against. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem to hear him, you know what they said about him? He has Beelzebub. And he's casting out demons by the power of Beelzebub. They, in essence, basically were calling him Satan. He casts out power by the ruler of the demons. Who is the ruler of the demons? It's Satan. So he's either loved or he's hated. His own people said he was crazy and the scribes basically called him Satan. In Mark chapter 6, in the synagogue where he was raised, it said that he had given a, a, a talk to them and began to, to preach and expound things to them. But then in the own synagogue where he was raised, in his own church that he grew up in, here's what they said about him. Many hearing him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joses, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. In his own childhood church, where he was brought up, the Bible says, by his own brothers in John chapter 7. There was a feast of tabernacles, I believe it was, getting ready to take place. And Jesus said he, the Bible says Jesus wasn't going to go up there because they were already looking to kill him there. He knew that his life was in danger if he went up there. But he knew the time hadn't come for him to offer himself. Do you know what his brothers tried to do? They tried to talk him into going. And it says there in John, uh, I think it's chapter 7, verse 5, it says that even his own brothers didn't believe in him. They were trying to get rid of him. Go on, go on up to Jerusalem and talk to them about all these things. A sign spoken against. Before the council, after he was arrested, listen to what they said about him. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death. Where does false testimony come? 
from a sign spoken against. But they could find none. They were going out and telling people, hey, come in here and tell us some lies about this Jesus. We got, we got to get this guy killed. Come in here and make some stuff up that's believable so we can put him to death. But they couldn't find any credible false statements. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. When he was before Pilate, remember what the crowd said? We don't want Jesus. We want Barabbas. Give us a thief and a murderer. We don't want this guy, Jesus. It's a sign spoken against. Pilate asked him, Matthew 27, verse 22. Pilate said to them, What shall I do with Jesus who is called to Christ? Remember what they said? It says they all said, Crucify him. Mary and Joseph were told, Yes, he's wonderful, but he's going to be a sign spoken against. And it's going to reveal the hearts of people. What they say will reveal how they truly feel about Jesus. And when, after all this time, him going through their communities and their places they live, their neighborhoods, and healing their sick, raising their dead, encouraging them with all the wonderful words that he said, these were the very same people who'd gathered for the Passover at Jerusalem and said, crucify him. But it was God's will so that you could be saved and every person in here could be saved. A sign spoken against that the thoughts of many hearts be revealed. On the cross, probably some of the most insulting things that ever happened was when Jesus was on the cross. Hanging there, dying. What did they say to him? And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. A sign spoken against. Likewise, the chief priest also, mocking with the scribes and elders, said he saved others. But himself he cannot save. If he's the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and, and he will deliver him. And then we would believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if God will have him. For he said, I'm the son of God. Can't you hear the words of Simeon now? A sign spoken against. In the early days of the church, it didn't stop. See, they thought that if they could just kill Jesus, they could get him in the ground, that all this stuff would go away. Because why? Jesus made them uncomfortable. You know what Jesus said about the Pharisees at one point in time? He said, if I had not come and spoken to them, they wouldn't know they were sinners. They wouldn't have any sin. But now that I've come, I've revealed it to them, and they both hated my father and me whom the Father has sent. 
But for some weird reason, it didn't stop when Jesus died. In the early days of the church, what was going on? They were still speaking against Jesus. It says that the rulers, the elders, scribes, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the family of all the high priests said, called the apostles and said and commanded to them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Why are they so afraid of a dead man? Because their hearts hated him when he was alive, supposedly alive. And they didn't realize the reason they hated him so bad now, more after he had died, was because he had risen from the dead. He's a sign spoken against. In Acts 28, 22, Paul was brought before the leaders of the Jews in Rome and said, We desire to hear from you, Paul, what you think. For concerning this sect of Christians, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. See, it was no easy thing taking the gospel to these unbelieving communities and towns. Everybody everywhere was speaking against it. Uh, Y'all are not one of those that's believing in this guy from Nazareth and not, you know, all that kind of stuff. The world was actively working against the message of Christ, just like it was working against him while he was here on earth. And this great sign that we're talking about today, this uncomfortable sign, it's the same for human beings living today as it was when Jesus was on the earth. It's still prevalent. I want you to think about this fact. I'm going to give you a few things just to think about. And so that when you are talking with your friends and family who just don't want to believe, you could say, well, what do you think about this? You say you need a sign to believe God is real and to believe that Jesus is really the Messiah. Here, how about this sign? Talk about this with them. See if this sign that Simeon talked about is still true. Why is Christianity the only religion that's fair game to be ridiculed? You hear them making fun of other religious leaders on TV? On Saturday Night Live and on all these shows and these podcasts and all that stuff? Are they ever brought into question, all these other religious leaders, Muhammad, Confucius, Buddha, the Dalai Lama, all them? You don't hear that, do you? wonder why that is. Why is Christianity the only religion that the devil persecutes? It's because it's the only one that's true. It's because Jesus was going to be a sign spoken against. God made it that way. It's because it's the only religion that's true. The devil won't attack his own kingdom. Jesus said that. The devil won't attack his own kingdom. He won't work against himself. So therefore he doesn't persecute. Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus and whatever else you want to throw in that mix. But who's the one he goes after? Bible-believing Christians. Because we dare have the audacity to publicly speak about our faith. Amen? Just like Jesus had the audacity to publicly stand and say, I am the Son of God. You have to believe in me if you want to go to heaven. And that invokes hatred like you wouldn't believe. He persecutes, this is the devil, persecutes Jesus because he's a sign spoken against. Think about these few things. 
Leaders of other religions never seem to be made fun of as a spectacle in society. I've seen lots of programs through the years. You'd be flipping through channels or whatever, and I guess now it's on YouTube and whatever. People don't watch TV as much as they used to, but it's YouTube and that kind of stuff. People can get on there and make fun of Jesus, dress up like Him and act silly and make Him look to be a fool. And it's free speech, right? Somebody makes fun of Muhammad or something like that and everybody gets in an uproar. <gasps> oh, you can't do that. That's insensitive. You can't do this, that, and the other. Why is that? Something to think about, isn't it? Occasionally when those people are made fun of those other religious leaders, they're quickly condemned and society becomes outraged, right? Yet there's hundreds, even thousands of people who publicly make fun of Jesus. It's a common thing. Make fun of Christians because He's a sign spoken against. Jesus is the only name. Think about this one. Jesus is the only name that people use to curse and swear when they're angry. You ever thought about that? You don't hear people swearing and cussing in anger and swarping and carrying on at the name of Muhammad or the Dalai Lama or anything like that. But they'll use Jesus' name in vain, won't they? Use it to swear and curse and condemn. Have you ever heard anybody swear by the name Muhammad? Nope. Why? Because Jesus is a sign spoken against. Think about this one. Christians are ridiculed, embarrassed, and even chastised publicly for holding a, to a strict set of moral standards. Men. Yet people of other religions get a free pass while yet holding to the same standards. Think about this. For instance, Christians believe in marriage between a man and a woman. So marriage can only be between men and women. That's it. But you know, almost every other major religion believes the same thing. But you don't hear them called on TV, on CNN, and made fun of and called on the carpet, so to speak, as to why they believe that. Well, don't you think that that's kind of closed-minded and archaic? No, you don't hear them being called on TV to explain. It's only Christians that are made to look silly and intolerant. Amen? Full of hate. They make us out to be full of hate. So why doesn't a news anchor bring on a Muslim leader and ask how he feels about gay marriage? Why don't they call them on one of these liberal news TVs, stations, and interview them before the whole country and millions of people and say, why does your religion say that gay marriage is wrong? But they'll do that to Christians day in and day out. Make them look simple, silly, right? Because Jesus is a sign spoken against. Why don't people with high influence over a society ask a Muslim leader or any other of them, how they feel on abortion. Because they feel the exact same way. They tell you people it's wrong. shouldn't be done. It's sinful. And why don't Muslims ever get asked publicly why women are considered second-class citizens within their religion? They have to go around with coverings on their face. Only their eyes can be shown in public. They can't speak ever except in the home. Why don't they get asked that kind of question? But no, they'll call Christians on there. Say, well, your religion seems to be a little bit discriminant toward women, right? Why don't you ask the rest of them how they feel about it? 
So why is there such hatred toward Jesus for just being a good man? When somebody says, well, I don't like Jesus, I think he's the blah, blah, blah. Say, what did he do to harm anybody? Ask somebody that. What did he do to harm someone? Whether you believe he really performed those miracles written in the Bible or not, you know that there's never anything recorded that he harmed anybody. The only thing he hurt was their pride. So if all that's known of Jesus is that he healed the sick, fed the poor, raised the dead, encouraged the downtrodden, included the outcast, and gave hope to all people who needed something to believe in, then why would you hate him? He should be the least hated person ever to live. Yet, he's the object of the most hatred. Why? Because God said, I'm going to send my son, and he's going to be a sign spoken against, because within that, I'm going to reveal what's in people's hearts. What's in here is going to come out here. And hallelujah. If Jesus Christ lives within me by the power of the Holy Spirit, guess what's going to come out of my mouth? Adoration and love and respect for the name of Jesus. But if Jesus don't live in here, guess what's going to come out? Well, I don't know about him. I don't know about this. I don't know about that. The faults of many hearts are being revealed. That's why Jesus is hated so badly. So what is it about his words or his life that evokes such hatred? I said this a moment ago, and I'll go ahead and mention it again. According to unbelievers, Jesus has been dead for 2,000 years. Oh, he didn't raise again, no. Yeah, he was a good guy. He lived, but he's dead. Then why do you hate him so bad? Why do people actively work against what Christ said? If he's dead and gone. Because deep down, they know the truth. And their hearts are wicked and their hearts are evil and they don't want to accept the truth. They don't want to come to the light and be made whole by Jesus. So therefore, they work against Him. Because why? He's an uncomfortable sign. He made me uncomfortable one day. 11 or 12 years old, I can't remember. But He made me very uncomfortable in a church one time. Laying on a pew, not paying attention. I don't remember the message that my granddaddy preached that night. I don't remember what scripture he was using. I don't remember what songs they sang to start the service. But at the end of the service, hallelujah, there was an altar call. And they began to sing a song called, Where Could I Go But To The Lord? And all of a sudden, laying on a pew, I stood up. And I was made very uncomfortable because of my sin. And I said, I know I need forgiven. And I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to do it. But I'm going down there and I'm going to give my life to Jesus, whatever it takes. And he's done that for every single one of you who've accepted him. There come a point in time he made you uncomfortable. When you heard the name Jesus, it brought something out of you. And if you were willing to submit to Him, it was simply that I believe in you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. But to others who reject Him, 
who have hearts that are darkened by this world, they'll speak against him. Hallelujah. So if Jesus was a delusional, insane, lying imposter who's been dead for 2,000 years, then why are people so obsessed with tearing down what he started? Because the words of Simeon were the words of God. And once they've been gone forth, they will not be changed. Jesus will be a sign spoken against until this world ends. It will not change. God made Jesus a sign to be spoken against for a reason. Just like I said a minute ago, it's to make us uncomfortable. People will either speak highly of Jesus or they'll speak negatively of Jesus. But you may ask this. I didn't put this in my notes, but the Lord gave it to me this morning. What about the people who they really don't admire Jesus, but they really don't speak against Him? If you're not speaking in favor of Jesus, you're speaking against Him. With confession, we make our lives right with God. God made it that way. We confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and we're saved. The Lord showed me something here a few years ago, and I'll share this with you. I may have shared it once before. It was a word given to me about a lot of these major big-time TV evangelist preacher type people, and I'm not saying all of them fit this mold. I'm just saying... He started showing me something and he spoke a word to me. He said, I want you to notice something in their words. How little they say the name Jesus. They'll speak about God. You know, you've got family members and people that they'll respect the name God. They'll even respect the Bible. They'll quote the Bible every once in a while. But their lives are not given and submitted to Jesus Christ. And therefore, they, you hardly ever hear them say the name Jesus. So they're a sign, he is still a sign spoken against because everything they can say, hundreds of thousands of other words, they can heap honor upon people and ball teams and ball players and on and on and on, but they just can't get Jesus to come out of their mouth for some reason. Why? Because he's not there. What comes out of their mouth is being revealed. What's in their heart is being revealed by what comes out of their mouth. Let me say it that way. God made it this way, what Simeon said. Jesus became the sign spoken against because He claimed to be the Son of God. Those who believe not, this stirs anger in their heart which comes forth out of their mouths. Where do you stand today? I know everybody here is born again and believes in Jesus, but somebody may hear this message, and to them I want to say this. Where do you stand on Jesus? What will you do with this Jesus called Christ? Will you speak against Him? Or will you speak in favor of Him? Amen? Whatever's in people's heart is what they talk about. So when you're talking with people and say, well, I just don't know if all this stuff's true. I, you know, I, I think there's a higher power, I, you know, and wherever people are at, Talk to him about this. Say, if, if, if everything to do with Jesus was false, if he was an imposter, then why does he make people so uncomfortable even after all this time? To me, that's the greatest sign to an unbeliever that Jesus is the Messiah. Why would I work against somebody that's dead? 
If he's dead, he has no more power in the earth. Right? But it makes us uncomfortable when we're confronted with Jesus. Amen? I'm glad that God made it that way. He made me uncomfortable. I told you the story. He might know He made you uncomfortable at some point in time. You realized, wait a minute, I'm a sinner. I need this Jesus they're telling me about to be forgiven. Somehow I believe this is what the truth is. But those who reject Him, they speak against. And so when you hear somebody on the news, or you hear somebody ridiculing Jesus or ridiculing Christians or whatever, making jokes, making complete movies that are completely false. You know, they claim they made a movie about Jesus being gay. All this stuff is offensive to us. But it's protected under their free speech, they claim. So when you see these things, it's going to upset us. But know this word from Simeon here in Luke chapter 2. He will be a sign spoken against that the hearts of many will be revealed. So when they spew that hatred, when they spew that ridicule, when they spew all those things, it's just revealing that they got a darkened heart and they need Jesus more than anybody. Amen? Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, we've given Your Word which You gave to me. Hallelujah. Lord, this, this uncomfortable sign Lord, and we see that it's, hallelujah, that it's still real today. Lord, that just your name alone makes people uncomfortable. But God, you made it that way and we praise you for it today. Hallelujah. Lord, today we lift up the name of Jesus. Praise God. For he is our Savior. He's our Messiah. He's the Son of God. The one sent to deliver us from the power of the devil. Hallelujah. We know now, Lord, that once we've been delivered, that the devil's going to continue to work against us. He's going to continue to work against the people uh, that won't come to Jesus. They're going to continue to spew hate and lies and all the things, just like when he was here on earth. And Lord, there's nothing's going to change that. But Lord, you said in your word, you said one time that, uh, know that if they hate you, it's because they hated me first. And so Lord, we see that you are still to this day, that sign that's spoken against that the hearts of many might be revealed. Father, we thank You for salvation. We thank You, Lord, that You gave us enough wisdom to understand and to realize that Jesus is the Christ, that You drew us to Yourself by Your Holy Spirit. We thank You for that today. Father, I pray for each and every person that may hear this at some time in the future. Lord, especially an unbeliever who's on the fence about Jesus. They don't know why they just resist Jesus so hard. They, they realized that he was probably a good person and maybe he was a great prophet or whatever, but for some reason there's something in them that just don't want to give their self to him. <clears throat> I pray that they would realize this sign we've talked about today and let it be a sign unto them to realize that Jesus is the Messiah and that he is still alive is why they work so hard against him and that they might bow down, humble their hearts, and call out to Jesus for mercy. God, we know and have heard many stories of atheists who set out on a goal and a mission in life to disprove the Bible. And before they can finish, <clears throat> they end up giving their life to Christ. <coughs> Father, I pray that you just help each and every person that may need it. Those that's walking through this life without Christ, Father, I pray for them today. <clears throat> I pray, God, that they will turn unto Jesus.
I pray that you help us use this message to our unbelieving friends and family, <clears throat> maybe even our co-workers. When, the, when Jesus is brought on trial before us, when people begin to question Him, we can answer with this. <clears throat> Say, why are you so against somebody that's dead? So Father, I pray this for each and every person. I pray, God, that you use this message to help enlighten people and to bring them to yourself. I pray for each and every person that's here today, God, you keep them safe to the next appointed time when we meet. And we pray you watch over them, lead them and guide them, and give them opportunities that they may share this message with other people. We ask it today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.